The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language. And here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome everybody to the newest episode of the Church of Roy podcast. I'm your host, Steve Dewald, joined as always by our fearless co-host in Denver, Brian Wilcox. Brian, how are you doing? We actually have basketball to talk about. We got to watch a little bit of the Blazers yesterday. How are you doing? I'm thrilled, man. It was only preseason, but just one step closer to the to the real real deal. So happy to have something discussed that actually took place on a basketball court. You know, it kind of caught me off guard. It kind of snuck up on me. One is I, I kind of am going through a schedule change uh, with my nine to five job. And so people started texting me like, oh, my God, are you watching this? And I'm like, yeah, I'm watching Chargers, Raiders, Monday Night Football. <laughs> And then I dawned on me like, oh, shit, basketball's on. So I kind of had to rewind. I was one of the few people who actually got to see this goddamn Root Sports broadcast. So, nice. um, But also, like, Root was, like, broadcasting on two streams. And I thought of you because on their alternate stream, they're showing, like, an old uh, Eastern Washington against U of I game. So I was like, oh, the Vandals are present. Hey, now. So. I'm sure they were getting throttled for tradition. Not, I think they're actually up in that game. So no, I don't no, know how it right. ended. Um, anyway, we got to see a little basketball. I think, you know, I think we're both in the same camp that it's hard to like take a lot away from this game, but like at the same time, this is the first time Chauncey Billups has been a head coach in any capacity. Um, so we got to see a little of that. We got to see some new faces on the floor, some old faces and new roles. So off the top, what stood out for you? Just kind of that first thing that kind of came to mind after you watched the game. First thing to me is I think Portland could have used another week of training camp, you know, going from such uh, kind of consistency with the previous staff and you have Billups and his group trying to come in and, and really make some huge changes defensively and also changes offensively. So you really don't have a ton of continuity on either end. 
And I thought it really showed in their performance last night, just just being a little disjointed. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it's the first game of preseason. It's not a red alarm fire by any means, but I think uh, another week would have really helped this team out. Yeah, I, I think, you know, this team is a far from a finished product, especially on the defensive end. I mean, to, to be 29th, 30th in defense consistently, to try to just kind of, you know, bridge that gap and try to turn this around, it's not going to happen all at once, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that really stood out for me is, is, is a lot of the same things is as far as, you know, this Blazers team didn't pass the ball a lot. The ball stayed in Damian Lillard's hands a lot, stayed in CJ McCollum's hands a lot. There wasn't a lot of passing. And because of that, there's not a lot of turnovers. So now that we're do, doing this new system where we're, we're the Blazers are going to move the ball and they're going to put it in different pre- people's hands. Now, granted, McCollum and Lillard aren't going to play a full minutes load tonight, mm-hmm. but 26 turnovers. I mean, that's really the big reason why the Blazers lost this game. I mean, you the, you know, they shot better percentages from all the other areas. They won the rebounding battle, but just turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. And, you know, <laughs> I really wonder – you know, what's going to happen, you know, if this becomes a consistent theme, because there, this the turnover rate is going to go up this season. Yep. And it shouldn't be, you know, there's a point where it's like just natural that that's just part of more ball movement, more passing. But there is a threshold that you hit where, okay, this is now an issue. It has gone too far. Like, I don't expect the Blazers to be top five and, you know, ball control, not turning the ball over, but they shouldn't slip below 15. And, and they really, like, again, it's tough to take too much away from it on that front. Now, individually from this game, is there somebody that stood out to you? First, go, let's go positive. Someone who stood out that, you know, looked ready to rock and roll. Hey guys, it's Perry here to tell you all about the brand new app we've been using here in the Church of Roy called Spotify Green Room. Green Room is a live audio only platform that is free to download and super easy to use. You can talk to sports fans, insiders, athletes, and even executives all in real time. And hey, the Church of Roy will be there live bright and early on Saturdays at 8 a.m. Pacific. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS or Android app store. Get it up, peeps. I think Simons is the easy answer, right? He, um, I feel like every year he just looks bigger. I don't know if it's just the sleeve this year, but he's, he's looking like he's put on a little weight, maybe not 15 pounds of muscle, but he's, he's seems like he's really grown in his body. He looked really confident, uh, distributed the ball extremely well. I think it was six assists against zero turnovers. And to me, one of the best things about his game is he just looked a lot more confident handling the ball, uh, facing pressure and really, um, you know, not doing the thing where he's got the butt to the basket and he's high, you know, he's really, willing to kind of put it out there and, and make aggressive moves to open up opportunities for other teammates. So I thought that was an extremely, extremely good sign out of him early. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, it's a, it's a clear progression that it's very clear that, especially on offense, Anthony Simons knows what he does well. He knows that he can create separation. He knows he can hit three point shots, but what stood out to me was he had a couple of entry passes from the top, top of the key where he found guys underneath he found cj with like this dagger in the first half you know led to a layup shortly after that he finds uh zeller down there kind of doing the same thing so you know i I don't know if he's fully like that's the next part of his game he's got to transition to this is our first glimpse of what he's been working on in the offseason he does look bigger um does look like he's growing into his frame 
Um, if he can add some of those point guard elements to his game and really solidify himself as the third guard, you know, he's in for a big year. Um, outside of Antho, I'll stick at the same position. Damian Lillard is ready to roll. Like mm-hmm. his three point shot was dialed in five of seven from deep, only missed two field goals. I mean, they were both those threes. Um, you know, from all distances, working off screens with Nurk and creating his own space and separation. I mean, he looks he looks like someone who's basically didn't have an off season. You know, <laughs> went straight straight to the Olympics and now he's ready to roll coming back in. And then also, you know, I'm kind of double dipping here, but CJ McCollum was just breaking people's ankles yesterday, like first game, like put Avery Bradley in a body bag. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was a thing of beauty. He's definitely ready to roll. Um, getting to those spots, high percentage looks for him, um, and really just creating a ton of separation. CJ was a guy I wanted to hit on too. I thought he looked really good. He missed a couple shots early. There were good looks, didn't drop, but he looked really good with the ball in his hands per usual. I mean, like midseason form. And I just thought he was moving much better. Um, something we've kind of discussed on this pod is that I don't think he was ever truly right last year when he came back. And even Going into the year, he had you know injuries the year before, and so I'm really hoping that his body's right. I thought he moved well, looked good, and he could really be in for a good year. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Absolutely. Um, now, the other side of the coin here is, just, well, I guess before we fully turn the page, I, mm-hmm. Cody Zeller looked really good. Um, yep. Obviously, got hit in the face hard. <laughs> like, um, you know, but he was well on his way to a double-double, didn't miss a field goal. Um, definitely looks like he's, you know, the perfect, you know, backup big man that this team really needs. Zeller um, sacrificed his nose so Nurk didn't have to take that yeah. shot because Nurk is the patron saint of getting hit in the face, which oh, did take man. an elbow from Simons last night to the side of the head. But um, I just – I don't ever remember, like, that quickly the uh, the player that hit him. Like, Iguodala knew instantly that he broke – I mean, we're, I don't know if I've seen the official medical report, but everybody's yeah. assuming it's a broken nose look like a broken nose and by the look on Andre Iguodala's face probably sounded like a broken nose so like I mean instantly comes off a basket hits him flush elbow right on the nose um 
welcome to Portland. Welcome to being a big man in Portland. They, game uh, one. Game I one. I think it's, it's like part of, of your part of your contract. They put you in like the total recall machine and they put a big old magnet right in your nose and then everybody just nails you. So I think it should be standard team issued apparel that if you're playing the four of the five for Portland, just come in with the mask on. It'll yeah. it'll help. So trust yeah. us, you'll be happy you had it. I mean, but. just you just look across, ask Robert Covington, ask Yusuf Nurkic, mm-hmm. put the mask on. Um, so let's talk about some of the things individually that did not really go well yesterday. Um, this has been a podcast that has talked frequently about Nasir Little. Uh, it was not a great performance yesterday, and I don't know if it's just pressing and trying to do a little too much, but you know, one nine from the field, uh, a bunch of minutes, twenty four minutes, only three points. Um, he did get to the glass, did snag some rebounds, but it was rough. And he was picking up some really tough defensive assignments too. And he just couldn't quite close that gap and, and get out there and uh, and really cover, you know, Steph Curry when he's coming down the floor and, and jumping out there and getting on him and really making sure that if he is asked to, you know, pick up these specific assignments on defense he didn't look like he was quite ready for that Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of the highlights that you're watching of Steph Curry hitting these open threes Jordan Poole um it's Nasir Little just a step too far behind giving these guys a little too much space offensively he just never found his rhythm um credit to him for to continue shooting I mean a luxury that a lot of these guys probably didn't have when you had you know the Ennis Cantors Carmelo Anthony's of the world in this lineup but Mm -hmm. With those guys, you know, now gone, I mean, that's kind of what you want to see these guys do in these situations. Um, the other guy I want to touch on besides Nasir Little is another guy we've been talking a bunch about on this on this podcast is Yusuf Nurkic. Um, you definitely saw it already that they're really going to let him play a little more aggressive on both sides of the floor and away from the paint. Um, defensively, there, there were some moments that I was like, oh, this – this could get dicey this season, um, you know, just a little late, but also, you know, with the turnovers, it puts them in a lot of weird cross matchups and, and, you know, you're just having to sprint back to the end of the floor and you're not really getting to your specific man, but like, you know, there's some hand down, man down stuff going on with Nurkic and pool on a couple of those plays where you're just like, oof, like, how's this going to work when he's playing above the break? So, you know, Again, first game, a, a lot of room for improvement for these guys, and it's good for them to get some of this on film to where they can correct some of this stuff. Brian, just, just to jump back to yeah, just to jump back to Nas real quick, man. I, I do think that the whole team had a little bit of that. They were thinking more than they were playing, you know, with all these new systems and stuff. I think Nas in particular was in his own head so bad in, the, in this <laughs> game. I I think that he probably read that quick piece it was kind of puffing him up and he just got that extension he came out and he was trying to do just too much man I, I think um you know he'll he just needs to play a little more within himself it was a bad outing without a doubt but this is the time to have a bad outing is that first game in preseason mm-hmm. it wasn't a super encouraging look but i'm not a, super worried about him yet um he's gonna have a role to play on this team so hopefully he can just kind of harness it in a little bit and uh, not try to do too much as far as nerd goes yeah, little mixed <laughs> results there. Um, he had some really nice plays, um, but the five turnovers isn't a good look. I mean, he's not a 23-year-old, 22-year-old guy. He's been in the league a while, and to 
have that many turnovers in the preseason game. Granted, they're stretching his responsibilities on the offensive end, but it's not a super encouraging sign early. Um, but he's shown that he can make plays from the top of the key, and and um, I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see if that's something they continue to stick with, or you know, as the season goes and. He's still committing a lot of turnovers, and you hit on the turnovers piece earlier. How this has been a very turnover-averse team in the past. If they'll be able to ride with this new offensive philosophy through some yeah. tougher times, you know. And I mean, turnovers. Let's face it. I mean, one thing that they've talked about under the Billups coaching staff is accountability, accountability, accountability. And like one thing you can't have is you know self-inflicted wounds and errors and that turnovers is like the top of that list uh, up there with bad shots. Um, as far as golden state goes, I think it's always good to kind of just take a step back and look at these opposing teams and see kind of where they are because, uh, you know, the warriors blazers, they figure they're, you know, hopefully if things go well for Portland, they're, you know, in the mix competing for home court with the golden States of the world. Um, I have a couple of things that I saw. One, I'd love, uh, I can't, I think it was in the third quarter, Steph Curry really sold out, went for contact on a three-point shot and didn't get the whistle. Like, And I'm like, man, if this is really how they're going to call it this year, basketball, NBA, like for the viewer, for for diehard fans and people who really love this game and don't like it when the rules kind of just get, you know, smashed and twisted and pulled into a direction that we don't really understand. It doesn't make sense when you're thinking of the Mm -hmm. game of basketball. If they eliminate those style of calls, we're in for a great year. I think it's going to be, you know, a return to kind of sanity on the offensive end and give defenders a little more of a chance. I loved uh, Lamar with the, not this year, not (laughs) this year. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, you know, that will affect Dame though. Dame's one of the better (laughs) ones in the game at doing it. And so it's kind of a double-edged sword, but that's, it's worked out pretty well for Portland on the offensive in the past. So um, he'll be another guy that has to, you know, figure it out. The other thing I wanted to say about Golden State is, you know, they have some high profile young guys on this team. Jonathan Wiseman or James Wiseman, not playing last night, but Jonathan Kaminga Mm -hmm. played last night. And that guy for a rookie is much bigger than I thought. Like, he looks like he is completely filled out in his frame. I mean, he's still got a lot of work to do in the smaller parts of his game. But, man, does he look like a player who could play, you know, one, you know, guard one through five eventually just with that athleticism and that size and that frame. Like, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting for Golden State, especially with Wiseman coming up in that program as well. Did you notice that it really did seem like Portland was a step slow all night versus that Golden State team? Mm-hmm. And you wonder, I mean, Golden State's a, obviously a championship organization with a very well-established structure, and, and a lot of those guys have been playing together for a while. But, you know, I, I really do hope that Portland looking a little slow and maybe it looked like they didn't have quite the same intensity as Golden State did last, you know, in that first game, that that's just a function of being new systems and just kind of working their way through it. And everything becomes a little more second nature here sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean – it's a big change and for a lot i mean damien lillard being one of them this is the first time there's there's an another voice in that locker room that's not terry stotts so Mm -hmm. there's going to be some adjustment like you said a step slow but it's not because they're out of shape it's because it does it looks like they're thinking yep it's like they're thinking about what they need to be doing and and i think that's a perfect observation of kind of what we saw in that first game um the other piece of news that came out before we recorded today was 
uh, NBA.com released a, their results of their GM survey. They do one of these every year. And I think it's just kind of a good barometer, especially for like people who are really dialed in with their own team to see how other people view their team outside of this market. And not only other people, but, you know, other professionals, other talent evaluators, other people who are running other NBA teams. What is their perception of the Trailblazers and the players that are on it? Um, right off the top, when looking at predictions for this year, the Blazers received 7% of like the fourth place vote, but really they came in at number eight in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. That's kind of consistent with what we've been seeing in a lot of these projections, like not necessarily eight right on the nose in the Western Conference, but definitely in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Brian, what what do you think of seeing the Blazers being placed right there? It's not really a surprise at this point. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. pretty it's been pretty consistent throughout most of these projections where they're definitely labeled as a playing team and I think it's up to them to unseat the Clippers, the Golden States. You know, even the, I, I was a little surprised to see Denver as high as they are without Jamal Murray. Um I don't know. I, I I'm not surprised anymore. We just got to see it on the court at this point, man. I, I don't know if there's anything else to really gleaned from it. Okay. So outside of the team, we'll, we'll circle back to some other team related stuff, but obviously Damian Lillard is the frontline player of this team. He is the marquee star. He's the guy, you know, on the billboard. I want to hit you with three categories, two of which he's not in. And we'll get to that in a second. But as far as the best point guard in the league finished, Number two behind Steph Curry. Number three is Luka Doncic, which <laughs> yeah, I think number four was LeBron in that list. So yeah, like the I, position things are weird. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. you know, like I think LeBron was got twenty percent of the vote in like three different positions. Yeah, exactly. So the but the two he was not in, and this is I want to know which one's more surprising that he was not included in, not mentioned in the MVP conversation according to the GM survey, mm-hmm. and then number two this I. I don't want to give away my hand too much, but the one that kind of caught my eye was Lord wasn't mentioned in the players that make opposing coaches adjust. And that one really caught my attention. Brian, what do you think of those two that he's not included in? The MVP one doesn't shock me too much just by, you know, you look at where they anticipate the team landing. And so I don't think you're going to get an MVP out of the eighth seed, which is where they kind of see us finishing. I was really surprised too about the the game plan one because it seems like teams sell out just to stop that high pick and roll consistently. And I, I think it's we've seen teams completely warp their defense towards them and to stopping that high pick and roll action. So that was definitely the more surprising one on my end. Yeah, I think uh, of the ones that I'm kind of like, you know, trying not to be a homer on these, but that's when I'm kind of like, ah, bullshit. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you said, we've seen teams guard Damian Lillard full court, bring the double at half court. Like, don't tell me that he is not someone you game plan against, especially in the postseason. I mean, the postseason teams, like you said, completely sell out. They change their entire defensive identity to shut down Damian Lillard. And there's only a few players in this league that you can really do that to. Um, and really the Blazers roster plays to that. Like, I mean, you can't do that really to Steph Curry because, you know, traditionally Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, those guys are going to torch you. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant's going to torch you. With the Blazers, you have to adjust to Damian Lillard or you're going to let him cook and, you know, every game's up in the air. Um, as far as the offseason goes, I was happy to see 
you know, Larry Nance Jr. kind of ran away with the most underrated move of the offseason. Yeah. And when that's coming from GMs, that kind of lets, you know, because the Blazers really didn't have to, a lot to give up. And I wonder if there's a lot of GMs when, when they get asked that question or scratching their head and saying, you know, why didn't we get more involved in this trade process? You know, because a lot of teams have that $10 million slot that Derek Jones Jr. was on it. And I wonder if that played into the votes. What do you think of the Larry Nance placement? I guess I'll put it to you this way. I'm starting to like reverse worry that we're putting all these hopes and dreams into Larry Nance Jr. Like, and like, you know, he's the most underrated move. This is what, you know, this is exactly what we need. And it's like, at the end of the day, he's still, you know, the Blazer for six man. He's a player with not a lot of postseason experience. Sure. He does have injury history, but like, I want to stay super excited about him, but I also like don't want to inflate the expectations a little too much. Hey guys, it's Perry here to tell you all about the brand new app we've been using here in the Church of Roy called Spotify Greenroom. Greenroom is a live audio-only platform that is free to download and super easy to use. You can talk to sports fans, insiders, athletes, and even executives all in real time. And hey, the Church of Roy will be there live bright and early on Saturdays at 8 a.m. Pacific. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app in the iOS or Android app store. Get it up, peeps. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the best player acquisition of the offseason right it was most underrated i do think that's huge kudos of the blazers front office and olshay though to get that kind of recognition for a move they made um and it really wasn't that close i think second was patty mills followed by spencer dinwiddie um yeah i think that you're right when you say that there are probably some gms going shit maybe we should have made a couple more phone calls because he is you know nice salary slot and does a lot for teams and you know, hopefully he does plug a lot of holes for Portland. That's kind of what we're mm-hmm. counting on. Yeah, I just I I would assume that if you're a GM, you're going, shit, I should have I should have picked up the phone. I should have called the Cavs, should have called the Bulls, seen what's going on, try to weave weave my way in there to a three team trade. Right. I mean, I um, think it was universally liked, but again, the Portland had the most underrated player acquisition, but did not get a vote for the team that will be most improved this season. Mm-hmm. So that kind of balances that out a little bit i think yeah so you know we talked about a couple players talked about the team a little bit let's look at the coaching staff because they popped up a couple times and one kind of surprised me that it wasn't a little further up but in the new or relocated coach this season the one that will have the biggest impact is what they voted on chauncey billups didn't finish in a full slot he just received in the received votes so According to the GM survey, the top three were Rick Carlisle, which that's an easy decision. Mm. I mean, especially what in, what Indiana went through last season, just what a disaster it was um, to bring someone steady like Rick Carlisle. Yes, he has hasn't had a, a playoff victory in a while, but our series victory. But you know that team's going to drastically turn around with him there. Uh, our boy Ma Adoka, Portland guy, uh, number two uh, with the Celtics, a lot of talent there. We've loved everything that Adoka has said since he's arrived, his mm-hmm. demeanor. I, I think he really fits the bill, so I understand that. And then <laughs> the one that kind of confused me is Jason Kidd with uh, the Dallas Mavericks. And, and I guess, I mean, when you're looking at this question, it just says impact. doesn't mean positive <laughs> impact. So, that was going to so. be exact, my exact point, Steve. <laughs> didn't say positive, just impact, man. Yeah, so I don't know. Do you feel like – you know, Billups deserves to be higher up on that list or, or do you think if they would have framed it positive impact? Do you think 
maybe Billups gets around Kid there. Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised that Kid was ahead of Billups. Carlisle, I think, is a shoe-in. Just he's a Hall of Fame coach. Udoka, even that one, I question a little bit, just because you still have the fingerprints of Brad Stevens all over that organization, and so you could argue, you know, is Udoka there to really just kind of continue what Stevens was building, or is this a new direction for that franchise? Um, I don't know. I guess Kid is replacing Carlisle, who's another long. Well, he's longer tenured than Scott Stotts, and so you mm-hmm. can make the argument that him coming in is a bigger shakeup. But if you're going to go positive, I I sure hope Billups <laughs> has a better impact. <laughs> We've seen Kid, and uh, the results haven't always been very good. And so, yeah, I'm surprised. No, especially like what what you've seen in, a, in some of Marin Fader's book that came out. Some of the stuff that Kid did with with Giannis when he was in Milwaukee, yeah. you're just kind of going like, do you really want to repeat this and put you know Luca in this situation where potentially you're having to repair your relationship with your you know bona fide MVP caliber star player, you know, in a couple of years, like again, we had our own coaching stuff to talk about this off season, but man, that Billups hire woof. Like I mean that, that the Mavericks organization sometimes kid hire, just, kid hire woof. Right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, anyway, further down the bench, Scott Brooks, finished as the third best assistant coach in the GM uh, voting. Are you surprised there, or or what do you think the, the voter is thinking when they put him there? Yeah, I was surprised on that one too, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> right there with our boy uh, David Vanterpool at 10%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it does show a little humility on Bill's part to bring in a guy who has so much head coaching experience. You know, he, he – got his fair share of criticism as a head coach but the guy's been there knows what he's doing i think it was a good hire by bill so we talked about that but to see him that high on the list shows he's pretty well thought of around the league too yeah i you know what he needs to do here in portland really doesn't have to do with the x's and o's i think that's why you go and get a guy like roy rogers and bring him in here and have him help you alongside billups and take have billups take some of the stuff he learned from tyloo scott brooks when you're talking about, you know, what knowledge and what tools he brings to the table, it's, it's a guy who's day in, day out, been an NBA head coach for a decade. Mm-hmm. And, and that type of experience and his ability to navigate those situations is going to be extremely valuable. And I think that's what voters are looking at when they put him at third. Um, but like you said, alongside David Vanderpool and, at number five, just be due to that tie. Number three is also Nate Tibbetts. So, so clearly Portland has had a history of having these really good assistants, especially in the eyes of the GMs. So Vanderpool now with the Nets, uh, Tibbetts with the Magic. So it'll be really interesting to kind of watch those guys' progression and see where they go from here, and see you know maybe Vanderpool you know finally gets back in the head coaching conversation after really not getting an interview this this summer. Same with Nate Tibbetts. So maybe those guys can can recoup some of their value, especially if these are what GMs are saying about them. So I think it's um, I think it's worth wondering too. You see Mike D'Antoni on there is in the coaching <laughs> search. You don't see Becky Hammond, and you kind of wonder where Chauncey Billups would have landed if he would have spent one more year on Ty Lue's staff. You know, yeah. I I don't I can't say for certain that he would end up on that list, but kind of shows that Portland kind of going for it with this hire and, and hoping that his ceiling. <laughs> 
he can reach that level because I really don't think he would have been above some of these other folks on, on this list. Mm-hmm. So let's get to the red meat, the stuff fans love, stuff we love to talk about. Best home court. Mm. Utah Jazz, number one. Denver Nuggets, number two. New York Knicks, number three. And the Trailblazers, number four. Too high, too low. What do you think of that list? I think that the Jazz and the Nuggets, you got to throw in the altitude factor, Mm -hmm. which Portland just cannot compete with at sea level. Mm-hmm. I think Madison Square Garden is just such a has such a rich history, but I don't know if that you know I, I can't I've never been to a game in Madison Square Garden. I, I'm sure it's a very unique experience. Whether it really brings an advantage, though, I think could be debated. I will say this: I mean, outside, I mean, so I don't want to look too down on on the fan behavior. I mean, we spoke about it, but the Jazz. Very, yeah. very headline-worthy interactions with Russell Westbrook a couple of years ago. Nuggets, we have an epic fight in the stands <laughs> last year in the postseason. 15 then, rows behind me. Yeah, yeah, 15 rows behind you. I, and then you have the Knicks spitting on Trey Young last year in the postseason. So, God, like, I forgot about that one. Say Ugh. what you want about the Blazers' you know, placement on this, but you know, hopefully everybody at these games continues to represent the city the way they do because we're number four on the list. We don't have any of those major headlines mm-hmm. or stories. Hopefully, as a fan base, we keep that going. Um, like you kind of hinted at, it's tough to compete with the altitude in Salt Lake City and, and in Denver. But I think, you know, there's an argument to be made as far as being better than Madison Square Garden and the Knicks, yeah. especially when you look at consistency. Like this Knicks fan base just re-arrived i mean yes they've all they've always been there long suffering but like they've never been vocal like they were last year like the blazers you know really come out the fan base comes out for this team and, and really it's kind of the same thing every season and they're here every year so well steve i don't know if you knew this but we made the playoffs for eight straight years yeah. thanks yep. to the wizardry of our front office so. <laughs> yeah. oh yeah with a consistent winner like that they're gonna show up yep yep especially for the regular season so the other thing, too, is fans kind of hang their hats on is uh, Damian Lillard. We'll come back to him real quick. Best leader in the NBA, Damian Lillard at number three behind only Chris Paul, number one, and LeBron James, number two. I will say this. LeBron James is without a doubt, you know, the poster child, the, the, the front man of the entire NBA and, and really of, you know, athletes everywhere. He's kind of the face. Um but man, Damian Lillard's never kind of done some of the stuff that LeBron James has done to some of his teammates. I, I'm thinking about some of the stuff he, his, some of his interactions with Kevin Love in Cleveland. Um, you know, Damian Lillard, even looking at this season, all those headlines all summer about, you know, is he happy in Portland? What's the situation going to be like? Is he going to ask for a trade? But when it came time to report and start practicing with these guys, it's been all business. And I think that's just a testament to to his leadership and why he's earned the number three spot on that list next to, you know, one guy who just came off a finals run and maybe one of the best players or, you know, arguably the best player to ever play in the NBA. So, Brian, what do you think of that placement? I think it's a true testament to Dane that he's that high. You look at all those other teams and they're bona fide contenders. Um you know, I don't know if you can make that same argument for Portland at the moment. It is kind of crazy, though, when you look at this list. Chris Paul has had some notorious mm-hmm. flare-ups with teammates and has, has been described as a very grating personality by some. Uh, 
Um, LeBron, you hit on, you know, went mm-hmm. out of town twice, two different franchises. And then you also have Jimmy Butler on there, who <laughs> I think he's found his home in Miami. But that's the same guy that, like, showed up to that Timberwolves practice, grabbed the backups and kicked the shit out of the starters and was just yelling at his GM the whole time. So I'm kind of wondering what their definition of best leader is. I think it must be different things, different GMs. But either way, it's a, it's a huge testament to Dane that he's third on the list. I mean, when you put Jimmy Butler's resume like that, I think you might have a strong argument for number one because I, I love that shit. <laughs> like, I mean, that's that's leadership to a T. Um, might have been no. effective. You got traded. <laughs> yeah, you got out of there. Um, last thing, I also kind of, you know, tongue-in-cheek have a few things about this list, but uh, shot with the game on the line. Kevin Durant, number one. Steph Curry, number two. Damian Lillard, number three. Come on. We just watched, you know, in the last couple years, Damian Lillard put out the Oklahoma City Thunder with a half-court shot. Last, just this last postseason, mm-hmm. Kevin Durant doesn't know how to get fully behind the three-point line. So, I mean, really? Who do you – I mean, I'm splitting hairs here. Obviously, I'm being a little facetious here, but – um what do you think of that placement? Obviously, Dame has earned a reputation as being one of the best clutch scorers, but I don't know. I kind of expected to be number one on that they list. They don't call it KD time. They don't call it yep. Steph time. It's Dame time. He should have been yep. number one, and it's kind of interesting to see he was 32% last year and won the vote. This year he's down to 17. Um, mm. But listen, at the end of the day, he's behind two MVPs, Durant and Curry, probably, well, and ahead of Jokic, another MVP, and Luka, who's going to get one here within a couple of years. So the fact that he's in that, that's pretty rarefied air for, for him and kind of bullshit. He's, he's three, think he should be one, but even you look at the best leaders in this list and he's, it's been a long time since we've had a trailblazer mentioned in the same breath as these guys by their fan bases. Right. So it's something to be appreciated. Yeah. I mean, when you're looking at last shot game on the line, you're looking at probably two, of the best pure offensive players ever to play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I mean, Steph Curry is the best shooter of all time. Also represented in the in the GM survey, I think he got like ninety percent of who's the purest shooter. Yep. Like no no question. Um, Kevin Durant's right there. I mean, he he can do everything. I mean, if you were to build a basketball player in a lab to score buckets, they it come out as Kevin Durant. So, you know, like you said to see him in the best leader conversation in shot within with the game on the line conversation, you know, it really speaks to Dame's talent. And then when you look at where this team is projected to finish in the standings, when you merge those two together, maybe that's how we get to Damian Lillard not being included in the MVP vote, Mm -hmm. which we hinted at earlier. Um, Brian, anything else? That's kind of my notes when I went through the GM list, anything that stood out to you that I might've missed. Well, I got one, Steve. Okay, here we go. And it's most surprising move of the offseason. And they have Russell Westbrook got half of the votes, followed by DeMar DeRozan to Chicago, and then Lonzo Ball to Chicago. In the also receiving votes, Ben Simmons not reporting to training camp. How's, <laughs> how's that not up there? Maybe GMs just weren't thinking of it in those terms, but I still think that's one of the crazier stories of the offseason. Wouldn't you say that Simmons just holding out and getting a salary, um, putting it to escrow is yeah. a little surprising? <laughs> okay, so 
is the wording on the question surprising or shocking? Yeah, it's surprising. Okay. Not a surprise to me when an entire organization pins their bullshit playoff exit on one player and then he doesn't want to play for that team anymore. For me, not surprising. But, I mean, I do get what you're saying. It is surprising to see a player forego his salary and say, I'm not showing up. Like, that. that is – that is pretty surprising, but I also don't know. Like you said, I don't know if GMs are thinking of it in that context. I mean, right. Daryl Morey probably is, but <laughs> he's probably the one that got the, he's the one who gave the vote. Yeah, exactly. Um, as far as Westbrook goes, I, I think the only surprising part of it is that they were able to, to move that much salary to a team like the Lakers. Um, when you look at the type of players the, the, the Lakers go after and, 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 you know, take big swings and go after star level players. It's not that surprising to see them go after a player like Russell Westbrook. Uh, the big question is, can they make it all work next mm-hmm. season? But that that's a totally different show, different animal. So um, as we head into the next preseason game, what are you looking for? What, what would make you feel better after watching uh, that, that first game in game two? I think uh, pick and roll defense, just a little, a little bit more understanding of that scheme. Just really execution of, I guess, both these new defensive schemes and, and the offensive schemes. I know that's a very broad answer, but it just looked like they were thinking. And I'd like to see them come out and just play um, rather than spend so much time in their head. And hopefully we just see some strides, right? This isn't going to be something that happens overnight, but just some flashes of what Billups is really trying to instill in this team. Um, from Nexus no standpoint, I'd really like to see those things be executed just here and there, even show us some flashes, what you're trying to do. Yeah. Just to give us a look of, of what it'll look like with this team. Mm-hmm. Nope. I, I, I definitely agree with a lot of those sentiments. I, I think for me, more concrete, I want to see less turnovers, more emphasis on making sure you're getting back and transition quickly oh. into your defensive sets, avoid those cross matchups. That's going to make everything easier for you. That's going to make, getting into those defensive sets, getting actual minutes with this new defensive set, more functional, uh, yield better results. Because if you're playing all these goofy matchups because you're constantly on the run, you're going to have an even harder time getting this thing implemented down the road. So hopefully they're able to do that. That starts with ball control. That starts with limiting turnovers, smart passes, get the ball in the hands of your point guards and let them initiate. And maybe we see a little more Larry Nance initiating stuff in this next game. So... I'd also like to see more than I think they only had about six fast break points or, you know, I believe it was single digits. Mm-hmm. And, but meanwhile, you saw a huge emphasis on getting that rebound and immediately looking up court. And I think we, I think Portland might've had as many turnovers as made buckets on, on those yep. uh, efforts. And so, you know, if they're going to do it, that's great. Let's just take care of the ball and capitalize when you get it down there. If the pass isn't there, just bring it up the court normally and get it in the offense quickly. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I think that's all we got. We got a special surprise for everybody next week. I'm, I'm, we're really excited about it. So we'll, we'll, you'll know when you see it. So um, thank you, everybody. We're back to watching basketball. Um, thank you for making this journey through the offseason with us and, and more to come for sure. Brian, you got anything before we get out of here? Nope, just the usual. Five stars. Thank you for listening. And season's here. Hopefully you're, exci- you're as excited as we are. All right. Again. Get us those questions. We'll take a look at them. We'll get them on there. Um, one of the big topics last week, obviously, that popped up on Blazer's Edge was just about the TV deal, uh, about Root Sports, uh, about its, you know, the Dish Network situation. 
I am not as well versed on that as as Timmy is from our site. Um, he got he jumped right in the comments, answered a lot of questions. So if you did have a question aimed at that, I recommend you go back to our last week's post. Go in there, go find Timmy in there. Uh, he's the person I talk to when I have questions, he's the person I talk to before I buy a streaming plan. I, you know, he is the guru on that. I don't think there's anybody better when it comes to that type of stuff. So please check that out, especially if that was one of your questions. Way to stick Timmy with that one, Steve. Well, well, Hey, you know, he's the one who writes the viewing guide. He's the one who knows what's going on. And with stuff like this, when you're talking about people spending their money to sign up for subscription services, I don't want to be the, the one who steers you down the wrong path. Um, it did work on, like I said, I, I went with direct TV stream. It is a little spendier than the other options that, especially what I was used to, but, but it did work. So if take that with a grain of salt, if that helps you awesome, if it doesn't, you know, hopefully the blazers find a solution here. So that's it until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod, and be sure to check out our live show on Spotify Greenroom every Saturday bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific.